0: Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod, and please download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting network. It has been a busy week in Herd Athletics as we draw ever closer to football season. We are fresh off of the heels of Sunbelt Media Days. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about some things we picked up uh in in watching the videos and watching the live broadcasts russell's going to have five things that every herd fan needs to know this week in our featured story as the series of position group breakdowns continues it's the defensive lines week so before we get into all that let's get a quick word from our sponsors 304carrec.com If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, uh, as I said, we had Sunbelt Media Days. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit this week. So we might as well dive into it. Give me five things every Herd fan needs
1: to know this week. All right. As usual, our five things are brought to you by Ignite Link, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, it's the big news of the week. Let's get right into it. Sunbelt Media Days. What a, what a couple of days Uh, I want to say a little bit, and then I'll get your thoughts on some individual news snippets from the media days. Night and day, going from Conference USA to the Sun Belt for media days. Different look, different feel, different energy, different everything. Thoughts? I mean, it's just a whole different
0: vibe. You can tell from some of the photos that have been put out that uh, there's just a different Trajectory trend going on, you know, like one couldn't be any hotter, and one seems to be in full struggle bus swing. So which is uh, which is which (laughs) we ain't we ain't struggling. (laughs) Let me put it that way. We ain't struggling. Yeah, some of the photos that were that were put out there were pretty telling. And I've heard some other side of that, like, hey, these really aren't indicative of what it was like at conference USA media days. And I I hate to kick them while they're down, but I don't care how you spin it. I mean, the commissioner gave her uh, at least a portion of her um, interview from like the concourse of a baseball stadium, just standing there, you know, and uh, we saw that uh, some team photos were in what you would assume is like a really small event room at hotels there was a, you know a backdrop and everything but it looked really small and i'd come to find out later at least i've heard that each team was given their own individual little suite to kind of you know i don't know keep keep things at a minimum sizes to a minimum but still uh, the sunbelt looked really really good i first mean it was really well done yeah first class is the is about as as good as you can put it. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the Sunbelts, I mean, we throw around that word darling a lot, ESPN's darlings. I think they are. I think they are right now. And, and some of the other things that we're talk, getting ready to talk about, I think, are going to drive that point home a little bit. So, where are we starting with this media day rundown?
1: Well, so we're talking about the Sunbelt and how this trajectory they're on. Uh, in my opinion, Keith Gill, commissioner, plays a big part in that. He led off uh, with his state of the conference, but the day before they announced that he got extended uh, through 2030.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, geez, he's made like good decision, like better decisions after good decisions and great decisions after better decisions. He's just making all the right moves. And for, you know, there are some fans of other conference mates of ours that like give the eye roll like, "Oh great, more of this." I'm like, "Man, you guys don't know what you got here." Like, this is a this is a forward-thinking like progressive conference that sees where you need to be. And I think even from a nationwide standpoint there are a number of fan bases that are like, look at the Sun Belt doing this regional rivalry thing. And look at the Sun Belt making their games travelable for all of their fans. And like, this is what we love. That's why it worked for a hundred freaking years. I mean, yeah. that's what people want. They want to be in close proximity with other schools that they can develop history with and travel to and make it more about the fan. I mean, it, just for whatever your thoughts on it are like, Big money came in and ruined a lot of what was good about co- college football, and we are saving a lot of that. We're bringing it back, and for for our fan bases, and I could not be happier.
1: Yeah, and you talked about travel. One of the uh, teams, the coach said that his out of conference, I mean in conference away game travel was a thousand miles on average in conference usa and it's down to 500 on average this first year in the sun belt that is real dollars saved that is less time on the road in the air whatever uh for your student athletes it's it's just so much better and when you think about that too i mean we're thinking about budgets and time for that think of the fans Getting to go to these games, I mean, it's it's a much easier travel to go to a 500 on average mile trip than it is a 1,000. Any way you slice it, you know, if you're trying to fly that far, if you're trying to drive that far, um, it just seems like Keith Gill and the Sunbelt are making it about the fans and the league and conference in itself is – just rising with that. I mean, the more fans that you get, look at the four uh, teams that we brought in. There were four passionate fan bases that joined the Sun Belt instead of a market where people are not going to the games and not watching them on TV anyway, like what the AAC got.
0: And to go along with that, we're hearing reports of multiple teams setting season ticket sales records this year. Yeah. And I think that's a direct result of this new look better uh, conference lineup from top to bottom. It was good already. And then you add in what you've added in. And even though the West just got, you know, 25 percent of that and kind of Troy flips over to the West. So, you know, it, it all evens out a little bit. But I mean. Multiple teams are setting season ticket football sales records all time. Sales records. So it, this just goes to show this is what people want. Yeah, it's what they want. And 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 Keith Gill and the Sun Belt is delivering that. So I'm glad he got extended. I'm glad we don't really necessarily have to worry about him getting plucked away. Um, I think he he I don't know got on the right side of the right folks when he wasn't sitting there posturing saying no no we're the power six whereas you know the the americans commissioner (laughs) oresco he was trying to play that game and now his best teams are leaving for the big 12 and now you're left with replacing cincinnati with charlotte you know i mean it is it's just not it's just apples and oranges at this point could charlotte become a real power yeah they got nice location and good recruiting and they could evolve into something big but currently you've what you really have is your two marquee teams i guess remaining after the big shakeup, which would be like memphis and i don't know somebody else maybe that are like okay we want to go
1: somewhere else we're not digging this new lineup and you know that may happen but i also may win the mega millions you know so <laughs> uh, it's about the same odds all right the second deal we talked about Uh, this is still on uh, media days, but we talked about Keith Gill and we talked about four teams coming in and everything. Well, what happens to the TV deal? There was some news on that Uh, big expansion on that. A little bit of details was they were going to increase the linear programs. Uh, We're talking about ESPNU, ESPN News, ESPN3, ESPN... Plus, uh, CBS, all, all, or, I'm sorry, ABC, all of that uh, as a, a different linear channels. I heard 6,000 plus additional uh, uh, Olympic sports type deals that will be shown. Uh, and also, the, the rumor is that each team was getting at 10 teams a payout of. X. Well, it is now expanded to the point where all 14 teams will get what the 10 teams per team were getting. So adding the four is not making the pot slices of the pie go down. So, all in all, that's a big win.
0: I heard similar. And of course, you've got to take into account that the Sun Belt will be sponsoring men's soccer. So, a big chunk of those games a big chunk of the increase of those games that are showing across their networks and streaming platforms are the adoption of men's soccer. They weren't there. Now they're going to be there and that's a lot of games, but it also means a lot more sunbelt baseball, a lot more men's and women's basketball. You're probably going to be even seeing some volleyball games and things like that. So, and, I mean, not to mention, it's just going to be easier. So the, you know, one of the things that people have seen around here that might be like putting a sour taste in their mouth is like, Oh, great. ESPN is, you know, raising their fee 43%. I've seen that, right? Well, guess what now as a herd fan, you don't have to have eight streaming platforms to watch the herd play. So cancel all those and just save a little bit of money and pay a little bit more for ESPN and you'll be able to find Marshall easier. So it's not really that big of a deal. Now, the other thing with the media contract is the expiration date on that doesn't change. So, um, I I, I've seen, if I'm not mistaken, that it will expire one, it's either one year before the American or the American expires one year before the Sunbelt. I want to say that the Sunbelt expires one year before the Americans deal, uh, thus providing them with a little extra leverage. If the product on the field is really, really good, they could negotiate something much, much better. But anyway, you slice it, Marshall, as a herd fan, this department is going to be making more money than it was in Conference USA. And by a factor much larger than two, you know what I mean? So this is, by all accounts, a a way better move for fans and financially. You're going to find the team better, easier. You're going to be able to watch games more often, and the herd's going to be making more money. So what else could you ask for?
1: Yeah, uh, and as we already mentioned, you can travel to these away games a lot easier, and so can the athletic department. So their budget will not be as large of an expense. You know, like when we're heading to UTEP before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just I mean, it's just one more factor of saying, well, you guys made the right move.
1: Also of news from there, we are getting a sixth bowl game affiliation that has not been officially announced, but they just said that it would be quote unquote soon. Yeah.
0: Keith Gill said we feel really good about it and hope to announce it soon and let's look let's just call it what it is you're not going to roll up in media day and talk about a sixth bowl game if you don't have it I mean you're not going to put that foot in mouth moment out there to start out the football season so they must have it all but signed it's just a I guess it's just a matter of maybe they're figuring out uh, wh- whatever logistical thing they have to figure out, you know, like which which team goes, like the number three team goes to this bowl or is it the five team or that kind of thing. But you have to think it's all but solidified and you should expect an announcement of that at some point in the near future. Yeah. I mean, the last thing, wait a minute. Yeah. The, I mean, wait, are you got a thought on that? Because mm-hmm. I don't want you to end, I don't want you to end media day I got one more thing if you don't have anything else from that. There's I was, one more thing I want to talk I
1: about. I was just going to talk about the the bowl affiliation. Uh, any way you slice it when you've got six bowl affiliates and you've got 14 teams, the likelihood of getting, you know, six or seven bowl eligible, you'd be right around that mark on most years, you know, uh, just the way it happens because you have to win half of your games to to get there. So this almost guarantees that you won't have someone left out in my opinion on most years. And even so, you know, you may, if there is a seventh team, it may get picked up in something you're not 100% affiliated with. You get to see that every now and then, but this will help, you know, before they had 10 teams and you had five bowls, you're adding four teams, you know, you kind of need to add a bowl. So this is just, more forward thinking and trying to take care of the teams that are in your conference.
0: Yeah. And you'd like to see as this continues to push higher, that those bowl affiliations creep up into higher echelon bowls. And I'm not talking about like the cotton bowl or something like that, but if you can get out of that Christmas week, you know, that, that December 20th bowl game and edge closer to new year's Eve, then that's great. That's what you want. Generally the, the money is a little bit better. The the um, the games are a little bit more prestigious. But still, having six is great. And you're right. Not everybody always fills their slots from other conferences, so it leaves possibilities out there that um, potentially no one would get left out in a scenario where you know seven teams are are eligible. Now, look, there's one thing we didn't mention, and it was mentioned in passing when someone asked uh, one of the media members asked the question. And it was about conference expansion, and I want to talk about that. Uh, Of course, they asked him, "Do you foresee, you know, kind of standing pat with what you have right now?" And he said, Keith Gill said, "I wouldn't take anything off the table at this point." Right? He said, "We would expand if it made sense. We don't have a number of teams. Uh, You know, if it's if it's two more teams, it's two. If it's four, it's four. If it's you know, it has to make sense. But you have to think that." at this point, it would have to make a whole lot of sense for them to uh, make a move to expand the Sun Belt. And by it, making a whole lot of sense would revert back to what I was saying before. If you have some of those American Athletic Conference teams that are not moving out of the American, that are frustrated with the future lineup, teams like East Carolina, teams like Memphis, teams like that, that can come in, fit the footprint, bring some, um, you know, bring some clout a little bit to a certain degree and up, up the prestige level a notch, you know, and, and give the fans something more to be happy about. So it's nothing that's set in stone. He, he, you know, there's nothing that they're, I would say that they're targeting to do, but if those opportunities present themselves, they're not going to turn them
1: away. That's exactly right. That's why you say you're not taking anything off the table. It's because you don't know at this point where some of these dominoes are going to fall. You have to keep an open mind and have some sort of plan. And I I mean, I have no information. I just get the feeling that Keith Gill and crew have already thought of perfect fits. They've, I mean, why wouldn't you, you know? So I, in my mind, you want regional fits the footprint of the east and the west to keep balance you know you don't want too many east versus too many west and vice versa so if you're adding one for the east you would want to find a good fit for the west i feel like they would also want not just a good football program they would want a team that sponsors the sports that they have for the most part so they can Increase their basketball uh, would fit in with baseball, would fit in with soccer, that sort of thing. All you are doing is adding to your overall value as a Sun Belt conference, not just about football, even though that's where the money is. Look, by and large, baseball in the Sun Belt is a totally different ballgame.
0: Right. And just to play devil's advocate, if you have an opportunity to bring in someone like a Memphis, uh, that just really bolsters the basketball side of the conference, then you have to strongly consider doing that because that's a team that goes to the NCAA tournament. They make runs in the NCAA tournament. They're recruiting at a really high level. So it's, you're right. It's not just about football. It's not just about any one sport. But if you have an opportunity to grab a team that is really, really strong in a particular sport, that's a revenue-generating sport, quote-unquote, you you maybe give a little bit on some of the other aspects that they're not as competitive in, just to a strengthen your conference, but b weaken your opponent's conference, right? Yeah. Which helps you in the the negotiation game later down when down the road when you're talking about money. So yeah, it's a it's a lot that goes into it. But man, media day was chock full of stuff. Last thing I want to say about media day was our dudes looked sharp. They uh, did we yeah. talked about they talked about the suit or we talked about the suits, and you know we wanted to see some of that footage of them climbing off the plane, walking through. You know, and they they look sharp, man. They were ready to roll. Um, excellent interviews by Eli and and Rasheen. Um, I mean, uh, it was it was it was good. It w- you could tell it was a different uh, echelon of Media Day versus Conference USA, and I'm I'm here for it.
1: Well, as I told you off the the air before we were going to do this, when I told you what our five things were there was a lot where you could have picked five things from media day and talked about it. So that took up a lot of time. These next four are going to be more of our quick hitters uh, for this, but we didn't want to have nine things. Every herd fan needs to know. (laughs) So we decided to just do a little bit of expansion there and give give a lot of good talk about media days because it deserved it. I mean, honestly, we had five things from Media Day that every
0: herd fan needed to know. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. So here are four more things that every herd fan needs to know this week, sponsored by Ignite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, number two is uh, Navy is no longer coming to Huntington in 2023 for football.
0: Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, but it does give some context as to why one of those. Uh... <sighs> non-needle moving games was added, you know, it was, it was central Connecticut uh, state. Yeah. Eek. Uh, that, I guess that means, you know, Marshall's kind of got to scramble and find a game or maybe get a home and home series, but you want to get a home game if you can, but if you can't, then at least you still have six on the schedule. It doesn't make for a very exciting overall home slate in the out of conference, but you know, uh, these things happen. And the game wasn't – I guess the game wasn't uh, officially canceled. It was, you know, postponed. said to – Postponed. but, you know, we all know that, that that could be indefinite. I mean, so until you get it back, you just – you might as well just not count on it coming, but it, it could happen. Um, there have been some folks out there in the, in the fan base that have been speculating and, you know, putting up lists of teams that have open dates and – for 2023. But I mean, if you're Marshall, you, you really want to try to get a home game, right? You, you lost a game. Probably a lot of fans would have liked to have seen uh, an American conference team at home in Huntington. One that you just beat the brakes off of a couple of years ago last year. So it would have been nice to have a winnable um, peer quote unquote peer conference out of conference game at home. So I don't know what your options there. You definitely don't want another FCS team. Uh, but you got to do something. You got to have a game no matter what.
1: Well, so here's my thoughts on this. And yeah, Central Connecticut State, even when they made it, I was still saying, well, it gives us a seventh home game, which yeah. was the news that we had at the time. No, I don't think anyone is looking forward to that game. But I'll tell you, I look forward not to sound like a homer. I look forward to any home game because I get to go watch them in person. I don't have to worry about TV. I get to watch them in person, I get to tailgate, I get to sit around, talk to friends that I only get to see around that time. To me it's always great when you have a home game. What we still have is Virginia Tech coming here in 2023. Yeah. So it's still not that bad. You know, at least it's not a, another, you know, small market, you know, won't have any fans coming other game that you would have so and we are going to East Carolina next year for uh another so the out of conference as a whole doesn't look that bad with Virginia Tech and East Carolina you know because East Carolina we always have that uh intertwined relationship with them uh fans kind of love coming here we love going there that sort of thing but we have now A couple of different opportunities. We can get another home game or an away game for money. Away game for money, if it's a big time deal, uh, you know, going to play an SEC team, a Big Ten team, or something like that, and it's a money grab, I would be all for that. You know, I would rather have seven home games, but if it means bringing in a lot of revenue and this is the opportunity to do so, I'm all for that. So we we don't really have to – I know the teams are limited because it's you know right at a year away from the game that we're playing, but there are other teams in the same boat that we're in. We just need to back up, schedule them, and go where it, it may. Hopefully it, it ends up where we bring a marquee team in here for next year, even if we have to do two games somewhere else in the future, a two-for-one where we go there twice – to come here ideally it would be a one for one but you got to take what's available and you can't just say hey Alabama won't you come to Marshall you know that's not going to happen so you got to have teams that are uh, available on the schedule for that specific week or the uh, bye week that you did have scheduled already and then you have to have them willing to come here We may have to take a pay game away, but it is what it is at this point. We still have six home games.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you, too. I always go to watch the herd play, not who's on the schedule. But there are some fans that just won't turn out for a Central Connecticut state right they just like paying paying for that so you want to have an a a decent opponent one that at least somebody was like oh yeah i'd come out and watch navy sure you know i i I served in the navy i want to go i'd go watch the herd of navy you know what i mean it's that type of thing and we know virginia tech will travel they traveled the last time they came here so that's the other part of it you want a team that will come in there and bring a thousand fans or two thousand fans and fill the restaurants up and the hotels and all that kind of stuff exactly so you know there's probably not I don't know there, there there may be some smaller schools that would do that but they would have to be very close we'll, we'll get a little bit of taste of that this year Norfolk State's coming that's relatively close Our FCS program we'll see how many fans they bring uh, but if you're gonna if you're gonna go to a one and done I can't say I would hate it because you would still have six home games but maybe um, Christian Spears and uh, the team can put together like, all right, we'll come to your house for a one and done, but we'd like to get a home and home basketball series out of it. You yeah. know, get get something, something. Yeah. So, you know, that's why these guys do what they do. These guys and gals are professionals in this, in this arena. We, as fans just get to sit around and speculate, but it's uh, it's an, it's unfortunate. That's all I'm saying. It's unfortunate that Navy is uh, trying to move the game or is moving the game. We may or may not ever see it on the schedule, but hopefully, Uh, They can pull a little bit of a rabbit out of a hat and maybe come out with a home and home series that really makes a lot of sense. I mean, what if you could get somebody like a Vanderbilt on the the schedule? I'm just tossing them out there. I don't even know if they're available. I'm just saying. What if you could get a team like that and all of a sudden you're a home and home from Nashville to Huntington and it's a winnable series against an SEC opponent, right? That would be great. It would be great. So – it's a, it
1: just sucks that Navy's no longer on the schedule. But, hey, I got faith in our guys. Let's see what happens. Last deal about that, for anyone that doesn't know, Navy is traveling to Ireland playing uh, Notre Dame in what is called Week Zero. So it's uh, before the first uh, official week of the season. They're playing overseas. They would have a short turnaround to have to do international travel and come back here and play another away game. It uh, logistically, even though, you know, they kind of knew that before last week, they have made a decision that I can't really fault, you know, Um, I wouldn't want to do that either. Well, I wouldn't want to do it either, but I'm going to chalk that up to
0: the not my fault category. Well, you, you, yeah. like you just said, they knew before last week that that was going to happen. You know, so I, don't know. I mean, the opportunity to play Notre Dame in Ireland is far more prestigious than coming to Huntington. I'm sure they're, Marshall. I'm sure
1: they're getting paid a lot healthier, and I'm
0: sure they're getting paid a heck of a lot of money to do that. Yeah, but I get it. I get it. It just sucks if you're a
1: fan. I also don't think Navy's going to run out of money, uh, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, Jim Smith is appointed to the board of directors. Some of you may say, Who's Jim Smith? Well, there's an article if you want to read about it. And it's on uh, Marshall, not Herd Zone, but the university's uh, website. And uh, Jim Smith used to play college football here. And then he went on to be um, in the media in the Charleston area. They got bought out by a media company named Thompson that eventually got. Uh, purchased by the huge international Reuters uh, media conglomerate. And he was the CEO there for a little while. He replaces Tony Stroud, who, if you remember several shows back, we talked about uh, stepping down from the board of governors so he could become the counselor. And that was the week that we had Steve New on the show, episode 10 of season one, that we discussed that. So yeah. we have found our replacement, and it's Jim Smith. I'm for
0: it. I mean, it, you got Marshall Ties, a guy that's uh, kind of been and seen the world and, and operated in a massively large media space um, on the highest level, right? So anytime you can bring folks like that, that bring that type of world experience to help make decisions regarding your university, you have to think, that they're operating a with the herd's best interest in mind, and b they're operating with a um, vault full of knowledge and contacts that can make certain things happen. Maybe not just when they need to happen, but quicker than they need to happen. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know what those opportunities are. I'm just saying, you know it when you see it yep. type thing. So, um, welcome to the herd. I mean, welcome back to the herd. You know, welcome home again.
1: Yeah. And he also, uh, was in the, if I remember this correctly, because I don't have the article up was in the, uh, Lewis college of business hall of fame here at Marshall. You had to figure with his expertise in media for decades. And at the level that he was in that he could help the, uh, W page Pitt school of journalism here, uh, being back here now, maybe he can help, uh, help with things like that and also like you said ties with the media and stuff like that. You never know what could come out of this, but his experience I think will come into play. Yeah. Yeah. All right, number 4, the Herd Rally, which is going to be on August the 26th is coming back and it's going to be a part of Night Street Live. Anyone that has gone to this before, you'll see the cheerleaders, Marco, Uh, probably the band and a few others. I'm sure that they'll bring some of the players down, but we are officially going to kick off football on August the 26th with a big pep rally downtown.
0: Yeah. It's nice to see some of this stuff returning. It's a little brief hiatus from all the circumstances that surrounded the world and continue to surround the world in certain capacities in certain areas. So it's nice to see these things return to liven up downtown to get everybody, prepped as if you needed any more preparation to get excited for football season. I mean, uh, does Huntington really need a kick in the pants to get ready for football season? I don't think so, but it's just cool. It's cool to have that stuff returning. So if you're around town on August 26th, make sure you get your butt downtown and go, uh, take part in, you know, the herd rally and and ninth street live and all that good stuff. It should be a fun time just as it always is. Yeah.
1: Number five, steps uh, at the Joan we're talking about the risers uh, in between the bleachers or the chairbacks have been painted Kelly Green. We talked about this several several episodes back when we were discussing facilities and had the real long uh, show that was about two and a half hours and one of the things that we were talking about and Katie used the term brand cohesion, But you had 15 different shades of various green colors in the Joan uh, because of the different times that they'd been put there or fading or that sort of thing. If you've seen the photo, the facilities guys posted on their Twitter of what it looked like before it got painted and what it looked like after it got painted, something that you might not even think of. Hey, let's paint the little vertical risers on each step in the aisles. It looks night and day difference. It gave the the Joan a good facelift. Yeah. And,
0: and you said it, the term I use brand cohesion. And that's that's very much a, a, a movement with this administration. And it's needed, right? I mean, it, it gets tired seeing a million different shades of green all around. It's it's nice to see things come together be more cohesive and look the part, right? We're trying to be um, a a level above where we were. And that's the devil's always in the details. And, And most folks might not pay attention to that, but I'm one of those folks that do, particularly the fact that I can't go to games all the time. And that's the kind of stuff I see on TV when they do crowd shots. That's what you're seeing, the riser part of steps. So it's just nice when they do a crowd shot that you can see everything kind of that Kelly green, the way it ought to be, uh, looks a little cleaner, a little bit more vibrant pops a little bit more. It's just great. So the continued effort to draw the, the brand in tighter, better, cleaner, sharper,
1: I'm all for it. Let's take it a step further (laughs) but uh, I want to tell everybody uh, as an update what else they are going to see before football season there at the Joan the wraps the field wraps on the outside are all going to be replaced the wraps on the inside that you speculated uh, KD that it would be nice because some of them are different colors because they have faded they're all getting replaced too so those will be fresh uh, with black in some places that pops and Kelly green and others, but it'll all be Kelly green. And you don't have to worry about the different banners being different shades because one was placed there four years before the other. Well, I'm just going
0: to take credit for that because <laughs> I wanted it and they're making it happen. No, it, I appreciate those attention to detail. I really do. And I guess, you know, something that just came into my mind that we should talk about here is, You know, uh, my cousin called, remember? And he told me that he received a phone call from the ticket office asking him to uh, choose new seats from the end zone, the upper end zone. And they gave him some sections that he could choose. So those phone calls are going out. That communication is being made throughout the fan base, which leads me to speculate. Russ, do you have a hat I can borrow? Yeah, Use my speculation <laughs> hat here and throw it on. It uh, just leads me to speculate that the upper end zone, like we had talked about before, will not be sold or in use uh, in 2022. So maybe we should expect to see more new tarping going on. Uh, we, you know, it's we don't really know for sure. But if they're asking you to move your seats, you would definitely think they don't want just empty completely empty sections a huge section of the stadium like that so um every every section that he was asked to choose from was along the sideline so it's not like we need you to go from 228 to 230 it was it was down the sideline so um i'm, I'm just got a gut feeling that you know that we're going to see a different look inside Jones C. edwards stadium come week one
1: yeah and your speculation hat there was right on because he is in 228 so it's not they're just uh, removing people from the dead center end zone facing you know uh, the the field vertically it's in the corners as well 228 is the very last to the right if you're facing the big scoreboard the very last upper end zone section so moving to the sideline it looks like everybody in the upper end zone will be doing that and like you said, I can't imagine they want empty bleachers up there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I can't either. But I'm like like we've said many, many times, I love that because it forces everybody to the sidelines. You're going to look fuller on TV. You're going to be louder. Louder. And by by golly, you can get an actual We Are Marshall chant again, half by half of the stadium instead of some little mix in the end zones to where everybody's saying both parts. You can get a true We Are Marshall once again. Thank goodness.
1: Well, that wraps up our five-plus things this week. And thanks, as always, to Ignite Link for bringing it to us.
0: Yeah, this is the first time in a couple of weeks we haven't had some kind of academic award that we led the show off with. But I guess all those are out. You know, we're, we're we've reached the end of the line for academic awards for the uh, past ac- academic year, and now it's full on sports news for a little bit. But look, it's time. For the featured story of the week, which is, of course, the series of position group breakdowns is continuing. in this week, it's the defensive line. In a couple of episodes past, we've broken down, you know, units by position. Uh, As far as like we did defensive backs and we talked about corners and safeties. Well, it just becomes a little bit harder to do that with the defensive line. We know some guys are true edge rushers and other guys are true defensive linemen, but it's just easier to talk about this as a defensive line unit. So if you're familiar with the herd in your head, as we talk about guys, you're going to know, oh yeah, okay. He's a defensive end. That guy's a defensive tackle, but really it's just easier to talk to him talk about the unit as a whole like this. So that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll talk about some starters. We'll break them down by defensive end and defensive tackle, but contributors and instant impact freshmen, that'll kind of be lumped in altogether. But look, defensive line, this is probably the position group that I am most hype about. I think same. they have the opportunity to be ridiculously special in 2022. Uh, and Phil still feels the same way. Tied first. Tied for first in the Sun Belt with Troy and South Alabama at the defensive line unit and ranked number 43 nationally. Phil's got a lot of love for the herd defensive line and for good reason. Coached by Herd all-timer, Ralph Street mac era great i mean ralph has done nothing but kill it since he's been in huntington and he was killing it long before that too Uh, but he comes he's he comes to huntington a couple years ago as a part of charles huff's uh, first coaching staff and he's just become a recruiting machine i mean these guys uh, are operating at a high level during game days ralph has just turned into be a massively great hire. And honestly, it was one that I was a little concerned because we had great defensive line coach, J.C. Price. I mean, gee, many Christmas. Some folks were even calling for him to be head coach at the time, you know, once it was known that Holiday was leaving. And and uh, it's nice that that Ralph has come in here and, and brought a little bit of herd flavor to the herd defensive line, and we really haven't seen a drop-off uh, from, the, from the defensive line play. Returning players from 2021, Russ, by my count, currently, according to the Herd Zone roster, looks like 12 returning defensive linemen from 2021, and that is a metric buttload uh, across the defensive line. 2022 recruits, there were just two, and portal entries, uh, incoming entries, there were three, but currently on the roster, only two, Uh, Anthony Watts from Purdue and Isaiah Gibson from the University of Kentucky uh, departing from the 2021 roster by way of transfer or uh, eligibility exhaustion or what other reason there were a handful Jamari Edwards transfers over to James Madison TJ Johnson uh, has departed Shane Simmons Eric McDuffie Darren Deer- <clears throat> Darian Deeringer Rodney Croom and Ladanian Smith so fair amount of turnover some uh, really big contributors are departing either by transfer or eligibility exhaustion. So a little bit of a mixed bag, but I think we've come out uh, as a stronger unit overall based on who remained and who we brought in. Let's talk about some projected starters, Russ, and let's go across the line. Defensive end, defensive tackle, defensive tackle, and then defensive end. These are my guesses, and I'm speculating, but I feel really good about what I'm about to say, uh, defensive end Kobe Cumberlander, six foot three, 227 pound, redshirt senior, All Conference USA honorable mention in 2021, 41 total tackles, 18 of those solo, eight and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, ranked number two on the team, and 11 quarterback hurries, ranked number two on the team as well in 13 games. He's a real iron man across the defensive line, and boy, does he play with a lot of emotion. And if you were if you were confused about that. Go back and watch that bowl game a little bit, and, go ahead and pass, yeah, fast forward to that cheap shot on Willie Willie Johnson, and 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 tell me it, uh you wanted to line up across from Kobe Cumberlander on the next play because I sure as hell wouldn't have. Uh, defensive tackle, okay. Speculation hat again. I'm I'm actually going to pick a, both transfers in to start at defensive tackle positions, and this is nothing, nothing. No slight against the guys that we have coming back. Uh, but they they have the experience. They have the build. They have a lot of what you like. And I just think they're going to fit in there. Could be a quick rotation with a lot of guys returning. You know, just, just a little speculation. here. Uh, defensive tackle Anthony Watts comes over from Purdue. Six-foot-four, 294-pounder. I couldn't find any stats for him on the 2021 Purdue roster, but he had some on the 2020 Purdue roster. So I don't know exactly what was up with that, if that was like a full-on like redshirt year or whatever was going on. I don't know. But he's a graduate transfer, of course. So this is his one-and-done year for the Herd. Uh, but I like the bill. Phil, I, I I forgot to write the number down. He actually ranked on uh, Phil Stills like top 95 or 94 draft-eligible defensive lineman. I don't remember what number it was, but he was the only Herd – uh, prospect across the defensive ends and defensive tackle lists to make an appearance defensive tackle Isaiah Gibson six foot three 310 pound redshirt sophomore coming over from University of Kentucky uh, five tackles one tackle for loss in just five games in 2021 we know how good that University of Kentucky defense was last year and to still find a way to get into those games five games be productive um, as a sophomore, says you can play. So I like uh, what, what can potentially be there for Marshall, especially when you talk about all the other guys that are going to be making each other's jobs easier because we're so deep and so dangerous. And then I'm speculating my favorite defensive end on the roster will be a starter this year, and that is Owen Porter. I love Owen Porter. I, I, I like everything about his game. I like the anger. I like the mean. I like the don't quit. I like everything about him. Six foot three, 240 pound redshirt junior, of course, local kid, Spring Valley prospect. Uh, 44 tackles last year, 11 of those solo, 10 and a half tackles for loss, ranked second on the team, four sacks, ranked third on the team, and seven quarterback hurries in just 12 games last year. Uh, now let's talk about some big time contributors, and a lot of guys were big time contributors last year, so they should be again this year. Let's start with Elijah Austin, six foot three, two hundred and sixty four pound redshirt sophomore, thirty four tackles, seven of those solo, four and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, fourteen quarterback hurries, led the team last year in twenty twenty one, one forced fumble in thirteen games for the herd. Taquez legs. Six foot three, two hundred and ninety-six pound redshirt sophomore, thirty-two tackles, eight of those solo, three tackles for loss in a quarterback hurry in thirteen games. Both of these guys played in every game, and both of those guys were highly productive last year. So that's why I had to put the speculation hat on a little bit to have one of those guys or both of those guys be supplanted, you know, by potential transfers in. Uh, let's talk about some more potential big-time contributors. Isaias Carpenter, six foot four, two hundred ninety-three pounds, sixth-year senior, the super senior, twenty-eight tackles last year, eleven of those solo, one and a half tackles for loss, and two quarterback hurries in eleven games. Of course, Sam Burton, six foot two, two hundred forty-seven pound redshirt junior. He had a great stat line. I mean, it like no one category was like blow you away, but he notched something in a ton of categories 27 tackles eight solo four and a half tackles for loss four sacks one pass breakup four quarterback hurries and two forced fumbles in 12 games for the herd last year agent zero he wears the number zero so that's what I call him agent zero Jay Sean Kaufman six foot five 297 pound true sophomore 15 tackles last year five of those solo one tackle for loss one sack and two quarterback hurries and a blocked kick in just five games for the herd last year. I expect to get one of those, um, freshman to sophomore leaps, you know, that developmental leap that we often talk about when you talk about quarterbacks. I think, I think Jay Sean Kaufman could be that guy this year, uh, to, uh, have that developmental leap on the defensive line, uh, Jordan Calamis. Uh, 6 foot 4 250 pounds sophomore 7 tackles 1 sack and 6 games going to be returning from an injury if I'm not mistaken. So, um I liked what I was seeing out of him last year and it was just a real bummer to see him kind of get uh banged up pretty badly and um I hoping I'm hoping he's back to 100% because uh he can be a real weapon for the herd. I mean, he he showed that last year. So, you know, hopefully we're back at 100, and we can we can see uh, some solid contributions from Jordan this year. Uh, last couple of guys we're going to talk about: Emmanuel Bush, six foot one, three hundred and three pound, redshirt sophomore. No real stats of note last year, but still a guy that um, I expect to be one of those hole plugging, run stopping defensive tackles. Six foot one303 I mean, you got to like the the leverage that you can, can apply there. In certain situations. And the last guy we're going to talk about is the big man, Emmanuel Balagoon, six foot seven, 296 pound true sophomore, nine tackles, three of those solo, one pass breakup, four quarterback hurries in nine games last year. Um, you remember, oh gosh, what was it back in the 80s? I guess it was. Uh, there was a running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. You remember Christian Okoye? The, the Nigerian, Nigerian nightmare. Exactly. So that's that's Mr. Balagoon. I'm hoping this year he comes from Nigeria. So hopefully he's the herds Nigerian nightmare. That would be great. You just can't teach six foot seven ninety six, man. Uh, I don't want that bearing down on me around the edge. I really, really don't. So um, uh, a little bit of uh, an, another year of work with Ralph Street and this dude could just be a legitimate animal. I'm uh, really hoping. I- I- <laughs>
1: I would love to compare him to Paul Toviesi when, you know, we, yeah. when we were in school, six foot eight. Yeah. And and played
0: from the defensive tackle position a lot. And it, it is really kind of, you don't think, because he was tall and lean and you think, man, that if that doesn't say, you know, leverage on the edge, then what really does? Well, but, and he
1: played defensive end quite a bit, but he
0: still, he did, you know, yes. they,
1: they rolled him inside a lot. Yeah. But still, turned into be I think a second round pick or that for if, uh, Denver. Had, had, had it not been for a knee injury, I'm sure he would have had a much longer career. But you know, just too too much to overcome. But yeah, he was one of my favorite players on defense. So, like we like to do, we we offer names
0: like that to give you comparisons to guys that are currently playing. And I think Balagun and Paul Tobiasi are good because of those measurables and the, because of the frame. Uh, let's talk about a couple of potential instant impact freshmen. And a guy that I think has a real ability. I know that everybody was, again, uh, I, I don't know the term to say other than excited. I was excited when I saw uh, Elijah Russell uh, comes from Ocala, six foot five, 222 pound, true freshman, uh, three, three star prospect, edge rusher, had offers from the likes of Michigan State, Maryland, Virginia Tech. Georgia Tech and Utah, among others, among Sunbelt schools and and Conference USA schools and Mac schools. So I chose to come to the herd over a myriad of suitors. And I just, I I don't know, maybe I just get blinded by the height thing, right? When you start talking about six foot five from an edge rusher standpoint, you know, there should be opportunities there for you to make some waves, uh, especially when you're, talking about the amount of depth that this overall unit has you know late in a game or when somebody really needs a breather and you're bringing in fresh legs that is built like that there there's an opportunity and you're always just one hit away right you're you're one hit away from being on everybody's radar uh, the last guy we're going to talk about as a potential instant impact freshman is Anthony Dunn, six four, two 250-pound true freshman from Sanford, Florida, just outside of Orlando. A couple of Florida boys coming in to be potential instant impact freshmen for the Herd. Uh, Dunn also a former three-star defensive lineman prospect. He chose the Herd over a handful of um, suitors, most notably would be Sun Belt East Division foe Georgia State. So, Russ, there's your rundown of guys on the roster. A lot of production is returning. A lot of uh, transfers with potential early season impact big game ability is coming in. We lost some playmakers, you know, namely Jamari Edwards, Rodney Croom, Shane Simmons. But I think, like I said in the lead-in, the herd's coming out of this uh, cycle of recruiting slash transfer portal action better than when they went into it. So, that being said, let's talk strengths and weaknesses. Give me your first uh, strength that you have for this unit.
1: Well, first, let me give a weakness for me on this because I want to show you something that the people at home cannot see, and you can't see that either. But <laughs> I can't see it. Your uh, your note to me says July thirty first, which was yesterday when we couldn't do it. OL breakdown, offensive line breakdown. Oh, August 7th, sorry. defensive line breakdown. So I did a lot of prep for the offensive line. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to be a little blind here.
0: Uh, and now, I don't think you will, because, you know, even though you haven't written anything down, we've talked about the defensive line a lot, just in personal conversations. So I know there's a lot back there in the old vault that's going to come uh, spurting out once you get rolling.
1: And I've got two little secrets. One, I've never written down anything for this show on any of the uh, breakdowns. And, uh, you know, my memory and how I like to do that sort of stuff, uh, just going by memory. And two, the defensive line group has been my little pet project to look forward to. So even though I didn't do any prep on this, uh, I should be okay. So yeah, you should be fine. let me go with, um, strength number one, size. The guys that were brought in, six foot four, six foot three, right around 300 pounds, talking about the interior linemen and in Watts and uh, Gibson, just the size upgrade that these guys bring. We've talked about it until I'm blue in the face about Huff wanting to bring in a certain size player at each Position defensive line, there's no more uh, of what we had done in the recent past of taking edge rushers and putting them inside and putting outside linebackers as your defensive ends. No, we are not going to be giving up runs up the middle because we have two big guys right there for run stopping. So that is my number one strength. It's not just those two, we've got size across the board but our size increased so much that I, that is my number one strength.
0: Yeah, and I hate to uh, like bring this up in this capacity, but that seems to be a running weekly strength and it's because it's a marked area of emphasis, right? And we know that that this entire coaching staff across just about every position group was trying to bring in not only a better skill set when you needed to, but also a bigger body with the same skill set. So they wanted to get bigger and better at the same time. And I agree with you, but my first and most glaring strength is the extreme depth that is going to be up across this unit. When you talk about returning 12 guys from the 2021 roster and two experienced portal entries, that's 14 deep that have seen the field in meaningful action uh, across their careers or at least across at least one or two seasons so the the ability to you know have some guys come off the field or get dinged up for a game or two and to really not fall off from a production standpoint or from a run stopping standpoint or from the ability to get to the quarterback standpoint is just almost scary And we've talked about a lot of positions where we felt really good. Most of those are on the defensive side of the ball. And I think it's hard for me to pick uh, the defensive line second to anybody else on on the the, uh, defensive side of the ball. And that says a lot about everybody because I feel really good about the secondary. I feel really good about the lineup of linebackers, but I just feel – so at ease with this defensive line and what they could potentially be. It's, it's, it's worrisome that I feel so good
1: about. So your first strength, you said depth. My second strength is something that you could say was the exact same thing, but I am, I had the word experience in my head. Mm -hmm. So uh, mainly from your two guys outside starters that should be on the ends again, Cumberlander and Porter, extremely valuable last year and what they brought in tackles for loss sacks quarterback hurries, just putting pressure, uh, on, you know, which is their job getting into the backfield. And I think the experience level that as you were going over the returning guys that were impact players that, that played, you know, production, they just all had it. So the experience, and again, we're bringing two guys from, bigger schools, uh, coming in already big bodies, uh, Watts himself, this is his sixth year, uh, or maybe not six. He's a graduate, uh, transfer. Um, but still they bring a lot of experience with them, uh, experience, not just on that field, which I think is the most valuable, but experience as, college athletes in strength programs, juggling classes and everything. I think that we have a very, very experienced overall crew here.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that as well.
1: Uh, My number
0: two strength is the versatility of the unit, right? They have multiple speed rushers, multiple run stuffers, and a varying mix of and match of skill sets. So we could line up whatever type of defensive line we need to best match with whatever type of offense we're playing. Right. What if you, if you're running into an air raid type offense? Well, I mean, yeah, you got to stop the run, but you really need somebody that can pass rush. Right. So I like the ability that's there for the versatility. And you mentioned we were talking about Paul Toviesi a little bit ago, how he played both defensive end and defensive line. And that provides an extreme amount of versatility, right? And there's some guys here that I feel that can do that same thing based on what type of offense is being run. You know, we may not have to do that, but if we need to do that, I feel like we can do that. And how can that not be a strength to be able to match strength for strength and maybe be a little bit better than what your opponent can do anyway, even if it's not what you do.
1: Yeah, I would definitely uh, uh, agree with what you said there on the versatility. Uh, I always feel like Owen Porter is versatile enough that he could shift back to linebacker as well. Uh, I know we're talking about defensive line, but I feel like he has that versatility to do that. Um, My final strength is the 1980s. Uh, wrestling nickname for a tag team that uh, this crew has been given by Coach Huff, violent and disruptive. And I feel like that is a great, I mean, that's great descriptive words that when you're, you're wanting to talk about people just wreaking havoc on the field, it should come from your defensive backs, uh, not defensive backs, your defensive line, just pummeling the offensive line, getting into the backfield forcing throws uh, that they normally wouldn't make, batting down balls, just being disruptive. And I feel like bringing in the two big bodies is the key to allowing that to happen. Uh, Again, as if we were
0: copying off of one another, even though you don't write notes. I have no notes. Right. Uh, My third strength is they are violent and disruptive. And I just tacked on full of high motor guys, right? So not only are they mean and strong, they're also fast and ain't going to quit. And if you got a combination of those things, you can't not be successful. (laughs) And that's why I think I'm really, really pumped about this unit uh, more so than most others. Because it all starts. Games are won and lost by and large at the line of scrimmage, and if you can control the line of scrimmage, if you can if you can give less inches than you're than you're uh, getting, then then by and large you're going to control the game. And I think Marshall has the ability this year the the roster makeup to do that. I I, I like the way the roster was turned over a little bit and revamped and holes were plugged. And, you know, the guys that came back, you can't take anything away from any of those guys because they played so well. I feel like there are some of those guys that could have, you know, like hit the portal and landed somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, they would have been sought after, not that it was like, Oh, you're going to a better school. But if it was one of those shocking things, like, Oh, X player hit the portal. Well, he'd been sought after. He'd have been like, you know, immediately racking up offers. So I'm glad they returned here. Uh, Do
1: you have any weaknesses for the unit? I have one and I don't mean this in a slight at all because I love Owen Porter, but a few times he has cost us 15 yard penalties and gotten ejected from the game. And I think that at the wrong time that could change the momentum of a game. I just, my, my one weakness is the, the passion that he has and the protection that he wants to give all of his teammates. He takes up for every single player on that team, as he should, and you'd love to see that. I don't want that to negatively impact us at the wrong time. So that is my only weakness. I can see that.
0: And, you know, that occurred to me. As well. And but I immediately thought, you know, I'm willing to trade that because, yeah, if you if you're asking someone to constantly and continuously be violent, disruptive and play with a high motor, those things are going to happen. They are. They're going to. And, and and it's so subjective, you know, and, and when, who's to say the referee doesn't see the foul. He sees the retaliation. Yeah. And we see we see that all the time. Yeah. So. I get where you're coming from. And, yeah, you're right. There's really no good time to ever have that happen. Well, if uh, you're but-
1: if you're up by four touchdowns and you get a 15-yard penalty and you're showing passion still, I'm not going to begrudge you whatsoever. You shouldn't have extra laps if I'm the coach, whatever the punishment may be. But at the wrong time, it can severely bite you and possibly lose the game. That is the only reason I list it, and that is the only weakness that I have for this unit.
0: Yeah. And it's fair. It's fair. Uh, I mean, again, I, I am not trying to sound like a homer here, but when I think about what we were able to accomplish last year, and then Coach Huff put some of that into context, some of my concerns into context at Media Day that I just didn't pay particular attention to. Um, and, he, and he talked about being really thin at uh, defensive line by the middle end of the season. And we, started seeing things happen, right? So I really don't have a true weakness. I have concerns, but I don't have a weakness. And I know some of the fans and our listeners are going, dude, what are you talking about? It's like this is a defensive line or a defense that average averaged allowing 189 yards rushing per game. They allowed over 200 yards rushing to six teams. Yeah. And I thought that too. And I still think that, but after listening to Coach Huff speak at Media Day and you think, wow, they climbed off of the bus for the bowl game with six defensive linemen, I mean, dang, don't they get a little bit of a break? I mean, that, 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 that you need some depth. That We're sitting here talking about 12 guys returning from last year. They only had six to play the freaking bowl game. So that tells me they probably had a few less than they needed towards the end of the season. And you saw that you saw a guy get tired. They, they didn't have enough guys to be able to come in and give them ample uh, rest. And they got gashed and they did. They got gashed. There's no hiding it. It's on the film. It happened. But I still feel like this year, if if you can stay somewhat healthy, somewhat healthy, you can take a bump or two, maybe even three or four and still be pretty OK. You, you'll give a more yardage. Yeah, you will but I don't think we're looking at 189 yard a game defense this year at all. You know, I don't, I don't think we're looking at 200 yards given up to six teams, half the teams on the schedule. I don't, I don't think we're looking at that type of unit. So I don't see a real glaring weakness here. Russ, uh, who are you most excited to see from the defensive line in 2022?
1: Isaiah Gibson, the combination of size, strength in the middle, uh, trying to change exactly what you just said, no longer giving up those uh, running stats. We were very solid against the pass last year. We were not mm-hmm. against the run. I think that the two guys in the middle are going to help change that, as we've mentioned. But out of the two, I'm just looking forward to seeing Isaiah Gibson play.
0: Yeah. And, and that's a fair point. You talk about bringing in Watts, bringing in Gibson returning Ty legs and really you lose Jamari Edwards who was very impactful and you lose Kroom to like uh, graduation. And uh, so a little bit of a fall off, but like I've said several times, you've, you've outpaced what you lost, right. With what you brought in and and what returns. So that's an excellent pick. Excellent pick. Well, who I'm most excited to see in 2022 is Owen Porter. I mean, I don't think anybody would, we'll be surprised by that pick. I just like the guy. I like how he plays. I like, I even like what you talk about as being a little bit of a knock, how he goes a little too hard in some of the wrong times, when it's not necessarily merited. But again, I'm willing to trade that. I I like a guy that'll stick up for everybody. I'm willing to take that 15 yard penalty at a, at a rough time sometimes. And no, I don't want to lose any games over it, but I'm willing to risk it. You know what I mean? I'm willing to risk it for him to give me 110% 99.9% 99.9% of the time it goes right. That 0.01% of the time or that 0.1% of the time it goes wrong. I just kind of deal with it because I like seeing him, you know, pull out the six shooter and do the, the celebration after a sack and put it back in the holster type thing. I, I, I just like the guy. I love this. I like that he's a local kid. I like that he came here and is doing his thing for the herd and, and is really a fan favorite. And he's, I'm a fan and he's my favorite. So uh, I'm really excited to see Owen Porter. Russ, who do you think is the hardest to replace? from the guys that departed in 2021.
1: Jamari Edwards. Uh, I mean, there's not really much discussion to it. The production that he had, you know, that's by far the biggest uh, replacement.
0: Yeah, I would have to agree. And, you know, the herd potentially will face him. He transferred to James Madison this year. So, if so provided he's still on the roster, you would like to think that he would come in and start for James Madison as well. He was an all-conference-type performer for the herd last year. Had a real – Breakout type year. I think he was my pick last year on my former show to be the breakout player from the defensive line, and I think he did that. So, yeah, he's my hardest to replace as well. Who is your breakout player for 2022?
1: Isaiah Gibson. Um, Just because he's new to the roster for us, you know, a lot of these I go back and forth if it would be an experienced guy uh, versus, you know, a young guy that's getting more – playing time this year due to departures or just being more in the system. But Isaiah Gibson coming over again with his size 6'3", 315, or 320, whatever he's at now, I, I feel like the game-changing ability of helping stop the run is going to be the huge breakout.
0: Yeah, uh, and I have to agree. He was my pick as the – uh Breakout player as well. You're talking about a a redshirt sophomore who has a couple of seasons uh, facing SEC-type defenses and being productive in those given in limited action, but still showing some production, showing some ability to make some plays, and you come down to the Sun Belt from the SEC. We're not fooling anybody here. I mean, can't we just call apples apples? The SBC is not the SEC. And as much as we like the Sunbelt Conference, it ain't SEC defenses, you know, offenses that they're going to see. So you would like to think that the trajectory for him to improve his numbers and see the field far more often than he was able to see it in Lexington last year is both going to shoot through the roof, right? So he has, in in my opinion, the ability to be the big breakout player as well. Uh, Russ, when it's all said and done, who do you think will be the
1: MVP? Owen Porter. And just to let everyone know that I'm not anti-Owen Porter, I think that he is going to be the team MVP for those same intangibles that I said led to my one minor weakness. Um, I just don't want it to happen at the wrong time, as I, I said. But that guy has the back of every single herd player on there. And when you have that, it's almost like a quarterback on the defensive side of the ball. And that's where your MVPs come from, leaders on the field. And that's what Owen Porter is. He plays like an absolute maniac, like I love. And he seems to be the leader. It's almost like you have a middle linebacker in mentality, but he's playing there at defensive end. Yeah. And I would – I would totally echo that
0: if I were able to whittle it down to one guy. This is like the only time I think I'm going to have to cop out by giving it to one person because I'm just not sure how this whole thing's going to unfold. This could be any one of a lot of different guys, right? I mean – Cumberlander could go off the chains this year and rack up 10, 12 sacks. It could be Porter getting 10, 12 sacks. It could be both the guys getting, it could be, you know, Gibson racking up 45, 50 tackles from a defensive tackle position. We, I, I just don't know because of some of the things we talked about before with the extreme depth and the versatility, how much is any one of these guys going to have to stay on the field, right? To have to be that guy that has to get it done all the time. It could be, like a by committee thing to where everybody has similar looking numbers and Marshall's defensive line, just be utterly dominant. So I hate to cop out here. I just can't whittle it down to one guy right now. I really just can't. I wish I could. Uh, do you have a hot take for the defensive line unit?
1: Yeah. I think that you'll see uh, first team sunbelt. You'll see at least two selections here from this. And <laughs> I got to tell you that might not even, that might be a warm take. Uh, based on on what they're uh, what they're capable of, but I see at least two, maybe have three. You never know. And if they dominate as a unit, you may see three of them on the first team. Sun Belt. It, it's hard to do if you've got four slots on there on a team because most of the time they like to spread it around a little bit. But yep. two two out of four would still be a statement, and I think that we get them. You know, that would be a hell of a statement, actually. Uh, my hot
0: take is, and to provide a little context for that, last season the Herd had 24 sacks from defensive linemen. Okay, We had 40 as a team. 24 of those came from defensive linemen. I'm projecting this unit to account for 30, which is a fair uh, percentage increase th- from 24 to 30, just from defensive linemen, and, and to account for six forced fumbles, up from just three from the defensive line last year. So a huge increase in impact-type plays from the defensive line for me in 2022. Uh, Russ, any final words on the defensive line before we move on? If not, let's take it around the herd. Violent and disruptive. That's all I've got. T-shirts are coming soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it with football going around the herd. Rashin Ali was named to the Walter Camp Award watch list. Uh, we got more going on, but tell me your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, what's to say? He just keeps racking up these watch lists, just further
0: proving that he's one of the most exciting, productive, and dangerous players at any position on any team in America. It's nice when your guys are getting that recognition, and uh, Rashin Ali deserves it. He's proven that he is a highly productive player and one to keep an eye on. I don't care what team you root for. Rasheen Ali is one of the best in the nation, period.
1: As I understand it, only 50 players are named to this on the watch list, and this is your base, basically the player of the year. So I think that's pretty daggone good amongst 130 teams. Keeping good company. Yeah. Uh, with more uh, preseason accolades and watch lists, we've got a uh, bowplan has been named to the bednerick um for the linebackers watch list ali gilmore and bowplan named preseason all sunbelt thoughts on both of those things cuz bowplan's in both.
0: yeah well deserved bowplan a uh, first team all conference usa last year how are you just going to flat disregard him you know as one of the finest linebackers in the country that's just that would that would be just foolish and disrespectful because he is one of the finest linebackers in the country. Uh, as far as the all Sunbelt teams go, I get it. Marshall's a new kid on the block. You can't just litter the team with Kelly Green, but only having three, eh, okay. If I all right. Preseason's preseason. That's Talk to right. me again at the end of the year. That's okay? right.
1: That's, Let's blow those three out of the water and have five or six on there uh yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah. All right. Uh, also, we got a commit from Louisville, Kentucky. we Will be in the class of twenty twenty three. Defensive end Benny Tashida. Uh,
0: yeah. Let's see. He's um comes from Dupont Manual High School out of Louisville. Edge rusher, six foot three, two hundred forty three pounder. Uh, there, there's no real like. It's kind of early in the in the, I guess the recruiting cycle. Uh, sorta, if you're not working the um, the uh, the camp circuit, you know. So there's no real star rating out there for Benny right now, and and now that he's committed, I, maybe there's no need to uh, work the camp circuit. But look, he's he had a handful of 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 offers out there, some some uh, some MAC schools, a couple of FCS offers. But look, I trust the eye of Ralph Street, right? I just talked about him earlier. Uh, as killing it, kind of killing it in recruiting. So if if Benny's fallen under the radar because he's not working the camps, <laughs> that's a good get for the herd. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, it seems a very it's just the trend continues with this twenty twenty three class very defensive laden. Uh, not a whole lot of offensive weaponry being added at this point, but it's kind of nice to see us moving towards the defensive line if we're going to stay on the defensive trajectory in twenty twenty three. But You know, the class is not filling up. I mean, golly, we're still hearing about guys out of the portal that are committing to schools across the country. So recruiting is nowadays a 24-7, 365-day affair. So your class really doesn't seem like it's ever done until you start playing games, and even then it's not really done. Uh, But I'm going to chalk this one up to uh, Benny Falling Under the Radar because he's uh he, he didn't really work the camp circuit and and uh hasn't, you know, got that rival star rating or that 24-7 sports star rating. And and oftentimes when guys don't hit those camps, a lot of coaches don't, you know, don't see them. So this could be a great one, a great get for the herd. I'm I'm gonna chalk it up to that because I trust the eyeball of, of Ralph Street and Coach Huff and everybody else that's out there hitting the state of Kentucky recruiting
1: final thoughts on uh, football for around the herd. the single game tickets went on sale today today as we're recording is Monday, August the 1st. If you didn't get season tickets because you couldn't beat all of the games, you didn't get the mini plan for the same reason, get your single season or single game tickets, they are on sale now. Now, that's not to say that you still can't call the ticket office and buy season tickets or buy mini plans. You just have the
0: option of buying season – single-game tickets now as well.
1: Yep. All right, basketball news. We picked up a commit over there, Ryan Nutter, a guard out of Dublin, Ohio, for the class of uh, 2023. Yeah, I mean, it's still a little early for
0: basketball for me. I'm still trying to get into football mode, but – uh, it, there's not a whole lot of room for um, additions, right? The roster is kind of pretty much full ish. So it's going to take some movement for us to see new faces coming in. So nice to see that the uh, roster is continually getting solidified. Um, it seems like this uh, this guard from Dublin, Ohio, Ryan Nutter, fits very much, of course, in what you would expect a Dan Dan Tony guard to be. A um a um a ball handler, long range shooter type guy. So why would you expect anything different? That's what we're going to run. That's what we're going to try to do. And until things, you know, go a different direction, you can you can expect insert
1: former player
0: guard name here type player to continue to come to Marshall.
1: That's right. Practice reports from everything that I hear talks about Kerfman just absolutely draining the threes, which you know, we expected. That's why we brought him in, but they also talk about the new strength uh, and conditioning coach in basketball and how a lot of the players are bigger and stronger, which a lot of the guys that we got, we got them here and they didn't go to higher levels because they were on skinnier frames. They weren't Mm -hmm. big body, big basketball ready. So that's always good. And Particularly our seven foot one guy that we're bringing in, Micah Handlogan, they talk about how yeah he's got weight to put on as any seven foot one high school kid usually is going to be, but he's bigger than what they expected and he's not like overly skinny. So it's good to see that we might have some size coming in for basketball uh, this year versus what we've seen in years past. Hopefully we see some bigger, stronger bodies means getting on the rebounds a little bit more tougher defense, that sort of thing to go with what we hope to be a wide open offense.
0: Yeah, we know what Marshall wants to be. They want to be that long range shooting team that moves the ball quickly and and gashes to the lane and and that kind of stuff. But on defense, they've really been getting beaten up inside for a couple of years. They just didn't have those big bodied guys to you know solidify the interior of, of the lane and from a defensive standpoint. So you know you you would play these teams like Louisiana Tech that had Lofton and or you would play the Western Kentuckys when Charles Bassey was there and it was, it was they, they would just get pushed around so to yeah. speak and they just weren't built for that type of player. And for as much as you want uh, you know Dan Tony Ball, Hillbilly ball, and you enjoy watching it. You still have to play defense. You still have to rebound, unless you're just sharp shooting the hell out of three pointers, which you can't always do.
1: Yeah, you Uh, live and
0: die by it. Yeah, you do, and you need those one or two guys on the roster, three guys maybe, to get in there and do a little bit of the dirty work, and you know, uh, bang around and 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 absorb some abuse, and you know, get those get those rebounds, so you can give your guys second chances and third chances at times to you know get those extra possessions. So I'm glad to hear those things. You know, we'll, we'll deep dive more into basketball as basketball season gets closer. Don't think we're just glossing over it, but we will, we will talk more about that as the season draws ever closer.
1: Over at Men's Soccer, it's August the 1st. It's the same deal with football. Single game tickets are now on sale. The note that uh, just earlier today, the ticket office tweeted out that the – Games for West Virginia and Pitt are selling quickly as you expected they would. So if you do not have season tickets, it's a very small crowd over there of several thousand people that can be fit in the stadium. I expect some sellouts. If you want to get tickets, I suggest getting them now. Yep, I would. You know, it's going to be a hot ticket. I mean, you know it is. So when Kentucky, you know, I don't know if Kentucky plays here or we play at Kentucky this year, but I mean, you think WVU is going to be bringing a lot of fans. Pitt will probably be bringing a lot of fans. So uh, these local games, I mean, we sell very well against the non locals, you know, so just all Huntington uh, people basically at the match, we sell out some of those. And come close to selling out some of these others. When you're talking a big name opponent that is kind of regional that could be bringing fans, you better be getting your tickets.
0: Well, you better be getting your damn tickets because you don't want Mountaineers in the stadium. You that's, don't want Wildcats in the stadium. That's right. Right. You want nothing but Kelly Green there. You want, you know, any fans that traveled thinking they were going to be able to walk up and buy a ticket to be utterly disappointed and have to watch through the fence or stand out there and listen. So just if for no other reason, buy them to keep away fans from being able to get a seat (laughs) for just a couple of thousand seats. And what we, you know, what we believe will be a very um, exciting and fun atmosphere. Just pop for it, man. I mean, I don't know why you didn't buy season tickets. The, The value was just insane Yeah, to be able to pay for one pay one, price and get season tickets for two sports. I mean, the value
1: uh, in and of itself is just insane. That was my next point. Keep in mind when you're buying these tickets for men's uh, soccer, your seat also allows you to get in for women's soccer. Now that's when you're buying um, the season plan. How it works with single game, you know, I don't really know how that works. You know, if you buy a single game ticket for WVU and the women aren't playing WVU that same week, I don't know if that's going to work. So if you really want to get the most value, do what KD just said, grab a season ticket. You will not be disappointed. Yeah.
0: You, you have to do it. it. I mean, they literally they're almost giving them away when you're talking about a game by game basis, when you Think about all of the games that are included in a season ticket. I mean, it it becomes just an insane value. So support the herd. Support the national champion herd and buy a season ticket.
1: Final thing on the docket is softball is out doing a little recruiting watching, and they're in California and Indiana uh, the last week. So, was did I read that right? It was Kokomo, Indiana? I don't know. You just wrote California and Indiana. I don't know where they were. So, all last week, they were out uh, trying to find some new talent to come in, and you love to see these coaches out hustling, looking at talent. I mean, you know, we really think about coaches with their – On the field coaching and the practice coaching. But man, the the game never stops. You've got to be recruiting in the offense or in the offseason. And even more so now with transfers, you know, it's not just looking at the incoming talent. You've got to look at your roster, look at that transfer portal. It's a whole new ballgame. And our coaches are out there working hard across all sports. We talked about women's basketball last week, and we're talking about softball to bring us home this week. Yeah.
0: We, I, I, how do you just get tired of hearing about the tireless work that our coaches are doing to try to put the best product on the field? I never get tired of hearing that, man. I love that. You know, you, sometimes when the success isn't there, maybe you think, well, you know, maybe we need to make a change. Maybe what they're doing just isn't enough. And we particularly uh, through this show have tried to hammer home just how much work goes into putting a quality product on the field. And we're talking right now about a program that is immensely successful and has been for a long time. And they are still taking, quote, no, you know, quote, unquote, no days off, because that's the nature of the beast. You just can't slow down. And, uh, you know, if you're not getting better, honestly, you're getting worse, right? Because somebody's catching you. Somebody else is getting better if you're not getting better. So it's just always great to hear that. Russ, if you got any parting words, let's get that rolling and then we'll look to get the heck out of here this week.
1: Yeah, really quickly, I just wanted to say, you know, we get a lot of correspondence. Uh, a lot of it is on Twitter to uh, direct comments uh, on on posts that we make and, and such. But every now and then we get a, a message and I got one over on Facebook Messenger. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just want to highlight that uh, the guy said that he has listened to every episode and he didn't come on until the very end of season one but he listens to it every week sometimes twice a week and he loves that we cover all of martial athletics and not just the sports but how that we can support them uh, via donations in the big green uh, and also how the students are doing in the classroom So I just wanted to one, reach out and thank uh, this person. I'm not going to use their name because I don't have their permission to do so. I didn't ask, but I want to thank that person for reaching out. It really makes us feel good about what we're doing. We enjoy the heck out of doing this anyway, but if it were not for fans listening to these episodes and getting enjoyment out of the content that we are trying to bring to you, this would all be for naught. So I really, really, really appreciate you guys reaching out and telling us uh, that we're doing a good job. makes us feel good, and it just makes us want to bring even more content to you.
0: Well, it certainly does. I, I enjoy the ever-loving hell out of doing this podcast every week. I, I enjoy the interaction that we get, like you mentioned. And to me, that just says we're doing something right. But it also tells me that we are still finding people that have not heard about the Thundercast, which is why every week I say, hey, text the link to a buddy because, you know, somebody that hasn't found the show that yet that wants this type of content that lives out of town, that that needs to be able to stay recent and current with what's going on with Marshall. They want that. And we're trying to do that. So share the link, share Uh, the pages share, you know, hey, follow these guys on Twitter, follow the show, give them a rating and review, make it easier to find. Because we want everybody in the herd universe to be able to listen to the content if they choose. Now, if they know we're there, and they don't want to listen, that's fine. But if they don't know we're there, and they do want to listen, that's not fine. We need them to be able to consume any content Marshall related that they want. Uh, Last thing I'll say in my parting words is there are some links floating around that uh various coaches are retweeting and that's for team issued type apparel the nike apparel or whatever that's coming out this year and they're taking pre-orders for that uh, i think it's at uh, hometown sportswear if i'm not mistaken so look for those links if you're a basketball fan i saw basket your ability to order uh, basketball like sideline type uh, attire this year football's already been out there i saw coach huff tweet that the other day. So if you're looking for that, uh, it's out there and it's on a pre-order and it's for like two weeks. So if you want it, you better go order it and then they'll ship it to you later as they make the apparel. But it's out there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, all that kind of stuff. Long sleeve tees, green, white, black, whatever. They have it all. When you hit the link, you'll see what all is available and you can choose what you'd like.
1: Uh, Russ, if that's it, take us out of here just like every week if you see us around the joan you see us at the dot you see us over at the cam or you see us in a little uh burned down motel conference oh no wait that's conference usa <laughs> no matter where you see this we'll be saying go herd go herd
0: it's the thundercast we'll see you next week later